Welcome to Choosing Hope, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. My name is Munira Pramji and I am the host of this podcast. The vision of this podcast is to connect you with ordinary everyday people from around the world. People who are making a difference. People who are contributing to their communities and the world in small and big ways through their ideas, their imagination, their challenges, their purpose, and their passion. My guest today is Leila Keshavji, founder and CEO of Happy Box, the makers of all-natural ice box handcrafted in Toronto. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Leila has a passion for health and nutrition, which led her to study and graduate with a Bachelor of Kinesiology from the University of Toronto in May 2016. Her plan was to go to medical school. Instead, she went the entrepreneurial route and started Happy Box. She appeared on Dragon's Den in 2018 to get an investment for her company. And we'll talk about her experience pitching to the Dragons. Since its launch, Happy Box has catered over 500 events and is now available in retail stores across the country. So Leila is the epitome of an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. In this podcast, we'll talk happy box. But what I'm hoping we will explore with Leila today is where she gets her spunk and grit and determination and the lessons she has learned along the way. So welcome to the show, Leila. Really excited to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And as we were uh, chatting as you came in, you said that your day started at 5.45 this morning and it's 8 o'clock now and you've already been hard at work. Is it like this every day for you? I think I'm around like about May, it starts to really pick up and June, July is really, it's really busy season. It's, It's basically just happy pops all day, every day for the most part. That's incredible. And you... You don't get much sleep, do you? Um, I, I try and get as much as I can, but I seem, I just happen to get up. Like I, I don't even really set an alarm and I'm up. So, you know, I just may as well get up and get going and get as much work as I can done. Yeah, that sounds like a really good plan. <laughs> yeah. So, Leila, let's start with the beginning, which is how does a kinesiology grad with aspirations to go to med school instead launch what is today a growing and successful popsicle business yeah I mean I think I just I needed a break after I was done my undergrad you know I had had a funded master's lined up at the University of Toronto some PhD conversations were in the works but something just didn't feel right and you know I had friends embracing the startup life and I said it's kind of now or never I live at home I've just finished undergrad like I have nothing to lose right now I'm young and I said, let's just do this first summer. And then I would apply again to a master's in medical school. And, you know, from summer 2016, I haven't really looked back and just love what I do every day. You have mentioned to me before that you, you see your job as a dream job. It is like I'm surrounded by happy people, you know, I, you know, and I look at medicine, although I want to do sports medicine, but I don't have to give people like, hard diagnosis. I don't have to do, I'm not surrounded by people who are sick. I'm surrounded by people who are constantly happy, who are just 
eating popsicles, wanting to buy popsicles. And I mean, popsicles just make people happy, hence the name Happy Pop. So it's just, it's so such a great space to be in every day. You know, the metaphor that's coming to my mind, uh, Leila, are those yellow, happy faces all around. That's what's <laughs> showing up for me. Um, you, you talked about the name Happy Pops. Did you consider other names or was this uh, a natural from the beginning? No, there was tons of names. I mean, initially we started wanting to do protein popsicles. So we were looking at like something with like healthy or benefit or whatever, just different names that you're actually limited to the domain names you can find and the social media names you can find. And by the time you go through all of that, you're not really left with too many names. And, you know, we didn't have, we wanted to launch really quickly. So we just picked Happy Pops. We figured it was simple. It was easy. Yeah, that's how it came to be. Yeah, it does carry a punch, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's impactful and and it's happy. There is, it is. an image and a brand. Yeah, and you know, it, it's really cute when like two-year-olds are like, I want a happy pop versus a popsicle and popsicle happens to be trademarked. So we're, we're getting to the point and happy pops is trademarked too now, but we're getting to the point where people are like referring to our product as a happy pop. So it's it's really cool. And what does make your brand unique, uh, Leila? What's what's unique about Happy Pops? I've always seen that there's an intersection between healthy and tasty. And I think often a lot of healthy products are, you know, they were packed with protein when I started and they tasted like sawdust. And I would go to trade shows and I would see really, I would try really delicious food and I would try really healthy food. And I really wanted to create something in between because I think that's, what people want to eat more often. It doesn't, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to go on this diet and like feel deprived. Like life is short. You want to enjoy it. You want to eat foods that you can enjoy and taste good. And that's where I wanted to Happy Pops to be. But I also wanted it to be not just for kids on a summer day. I wanted to be this cold, refreshing treat that was like a smoothie on a stick or an alternative to high fat ice cream all the time for anybody so that your two-year-old could have a popsicle with their grandmother and still enjoy it. Incredible. You experiment with a lot of flavors with Happy Pops. Mm -hmm. Um, How many flavors do you currently have? I think we've done about 35 over the years. We kind of keep about 14 core flavors and then we add one or two every couple weeks for a limited period of time. And how do you decide what those flavors will be? How does that process work for you? I'm a big foodie. So, I mean, when I was going to restaurants or, you know, or I look at magazines or I just see trends. So if it's, whether it's, you know, like one of our flavors right now is a lychee lemonade, or sometimes it's inspired by mocktails or inspired by even exotic chocolate flavors or just different flavor pairings that I see being done. Sometimes that forms the basis. And then once you start experimenting, you put ingredients together. I love being able to create flavors. Mm. What is your favorite flavor, Leila? Hard to pick a favorite, but I'm a real citrus person. So I love our orange or lemon or lychee lemonade. We use um, freshly squeezed, we juice our own oranges or lemons for those flavors. Fresh in-house, process it within 12 hours. So you really... It's like you're licking like fresh squeezed orange juice or like a lemonade, but not so sweet. So those are definitely among my two favorites. 
the image that I have was when you rode your uh, bicycle-powered ice pop cart onto the Dragon's Den stage. (laughs) I will just never forget that. That was really quite the entrance. What was it like to pitch your business idea on Dragon's Den? It was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences. I actually only had 48 hours. And as you know, my, my dad was very sick at the time. And I actually did this for him. And um, I really, you know, he's like, Layla, you're not ready. Like, cause I, I wasn't really ready leading up to this. He was, he was sick and I was spending all my time with him. And I really, and we would watch Dragon's Den together while he was home or in the hospital. And I wanted to do it to cheer him up, even though I knew deep down, I don't think I was ready. And I went into there with nothing to lose. I was like, I want to do this for my dad. And as though I was so nervous, I think like, I was like, okay, I just need to keep myself together and, and do this. And, you know, I, they tried the product, they loved it. And then the offers started coming in and, you know, I was like, and then, you know, I got my first offer. I was like, yes. And the nerves started to disappear a little bit and it became more of a conversation and the opportunity and the experience that came out of that and pitching and just the confidence. And like, you know, we talked about before, like it totally changed who I was. And because I now had this confidence to talk about my business, I wasn't this girl who was aspiring to be a physician. I was, I was an entrepreneur. I had to sell my business and who I was. And I wanted someone to trust me as a person to building this national or, you know, big company one day. And, and I think ever since then, it's been a huge confidence boost. I watch Dragon's Den every once in a while and I so admire people who are on it because those dragons can be really quite difficult. And then I watched you and you tell me that you were nervous and you didn't have much time to prepare and you were going through this really difficult personal situation with your dad being ill. And yet you went there And you were almost speaking to them like they were your equal. And, you know, once one deal came, you were saying, well, you wanted to hear the other deals. And where does all of that come from, Leila? Like, where where does that grit and that determination and that I have nothing to lose attitude come from? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in the moment, I think especially something like Dragon's Den, it's just you know it's tv and you know it has the impact especially the food company like when people try your product and you know and i think there was that there is that fear because like well what if they don't like it those facial expressions come first and i think in the moment it was i needed to pull it together for the best outcome like whatever it was i needed to just hope for the best be cautious with the words you know because you don't want to open up a can of worms and because it is 45 minutes that's cut down to seven so you don't see the full conversation it was 45 minutes of back and forth all kinds of questions and me standing on a line and you know I think I think once I knew they liked the product and for the most part it was you know a really good ideas were bounced back and you know and I think that's what got it going we went in with a fair valuation I think so I think that really helped that's really helpful to know I didn't realize it was a 45 minute process yeah really gut-wrenching yeah. And you made it true. <laughs> Definitely. You. What did you learn from that experience? What will you take with you in life, having successfully gone through the Dragon's Den experience? I just learned that 
not to be scared of anything and anyone I pitch to, like anyone I pitch to now, nothing really phases me. I can walk into a meeting with buyers. It doesn't really bother me anymore because I've had six people critique everything in one time. And so now one person doesn't bother me and phrase me. And I think it just helped now take Happy Pops to a whole new level. Incredible. And Lila, when when you have people critique you, because that is par for the course, right? When you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur and you're trying new things and you're growing as fast as, as you are, what keeps you balanced? What uh, keeps you balanced so that you don't take that feedback personally? Or do you? I think initially I definitely took it personally. And then I realized, you know, it's we've all had bad experiences when you go to a restaurant or when you've ordered a product and it happens like it's it, you know and it, you're dealing with humans all the time and you know people are high, there's high there's stress there's tension it's not easy you want to be this perfect brand that never messes up and then you realize like it happens and it's hard initially but I mean in order to grow you you just can't let it get to you personally and you know you just have to do the best manage it move on learn from those. And, and I think, and that's where I learned, I'm, I always wondered why people have these big terms and conditions or procedures and, you know, you're signing all these and it, it definitely stems from what's happened and experiences. And as you grow, you need to put in place more measures and move on and learn from that. And would you say you're more uh, a plans and procedures kind of person or, or do you operate more from instinct? Definitely more from instinct, but now definitely we're moving towards kind of finding that fine balance with more plans and procedures. And mm-hmm. but not we didn't start off like that. Like I didn't start off with like a ten-page business plan and everything kind of document. It was kind of just let's see where this goes and let's. let's That's go. right. You mentioned this is going to be a summer gig for you. Yeah, and exactly. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't right, and there was definitely no plans to launch and online and in major retailers and everything so it's kind of just being where let's see where this takes me but in a way I guess that's being good because so I know that your dad is a private label juice maker what are yes. your interactions with him as you grow your business well as of the last few weeks he's pretty much been with me most of the time in terms of helping me scale now um, we're getting in more equipment we're talking larger scale. So, I mean, his experience has definitely been so valuable in terms of even sourcing ingredients. And it's been so tough to source ingredients because of COVID, right? I mean, we use, we use a lot of exotic fruits and there is no planes or like there's no travel happening between these countries. So it's definitely affected getting raw materials. But because he's got so much experience, he knows more suppliers and he's been able to really help keep things going um, and help me scale and scale quickly and really just try and meet demand and help me on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You spoke of uh, of COVID and I know that a lot of your business, a lot of Happy Pop stuff is corporate and private events and catering. Mm-hmm. And clearly all of that has stopped with COVID. Yeah. So talk to me about what you've done to to pivot. I, I know you love the word pivot. Yeah. Talk to me about what the pivot looks like for you today. It was one of the hardest things. I mean, I remember like the Friday of that lockdown, we were just about to sign for equipment coming in, new equipment, which would allow us to do a lot more 
we had weddings booked for this year. We had huge events for pride for the summer festivals. And all of a sudden, within essentially like 24 hours or 48 hours, stuff started getting canceled. And slowly that lockdown was increased further and further and further permits being canceled. And you're like, what just happened? Essentially like four years of building something day in and day out. And like, how are we, what were we going to do? And I think I realized that I had staff. Um, Well, I didn't just, but I mean, I knew I had staff and I knew I, I was, I'm very fortunate that if tomorrow I lost my job, my parents would obviously support me and I had a place to stay, but it wasn't the same for some of our staff. We try to help people who, who are new to Canada. And I knew that they didn't have the same family support. We needed to do something about it. We needed, we needed to stay afloat, whatever that meant. So we quickly pivoted to online and starting delivery of frozen popsicles. And if you watch my Dragon's Den episode, you know, they said, that's a crazy idea. Yes, I do. Remember. <laughs> I reached out to people in who were doing it. Um, you know, we had, we had tried it over the last two years. It wasn't perfect, but people were so, were so great to support it. And, you know, it wasn't perfect in the initial days. It still isn't perfect, but people started supporting and gifting and telling their friends. And that had us so motivated because now we were able to stay open and then I started, things started to reopen more grocery stores. So, you know, it's been, you know, we've tried to make the most of it and not looked at what we lost, but more what we gained and just being able to speak to customers who were buying, who are now sharing. Like, I feel like I really got to know our customers better. Mm. There's something you said there that really um, struck a, a chord for me, which is when COVID hit, you know, you, you knew you had staff. And so it almost appears that what made you work even harder was to find a way to keep this going for your staff. Mm-hmm. And there's just something incredibly powerful when I hear that. Just incredibly powerful. Yeah, no, they're great people. Even yesterday, like we had we have orders that need to go out today. They they were supposed to finish at five. They they were there till ten forty-five last night and they've done that for you know, I've had people who've done that work, work seven days when we needed them. And to think like, how do you just say, okay, I'm going to wait for what the government's going to do. And in some cases you have no choice, but you want to try as a business to do whatever you can mm. for those people, because when you need those people, they're there for you and you're nowhere without a team. Hmm. I, uh, I want to ask you about what kind of manager you are, what kind of leader you are to to get that kind of support from your staff. I think I'm pretty hands-on. Um, I really try and be in there as much as I can. And I really try and we don't really have like a supervisor on a daily basis. And I really try and try and get people to work together as much as possible and really believe in, in what we're building. And I think I've always believed, obviously over the years, you know, you get some people who are, who don't believe in it as much and we're just here for the job. But I think we really try to focus on a growth mindset and we have, we have a poster in, in our facility now. And, and I really look for people now who believe in that and believe in, believe in what we're building. I mean, where we are year over year and even now, like to think next week we'll be in all Ontario Sobeys. It, it's, it's really just the team believes in that and the team sees the growth and the team is excited. They're like, wow, this person just ordered or, um, they get excited and I think, and I think it's really involving them in that and getting them excited and celebrating the small ones, but being like, Hey, okay, we need, we have to keep going. Like this is, 
you know, we're going to grow and we're, we're going to get through some of these challenges and, you know, not being so hard mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. We've made so many mistakes, so many, but you know, you just get up and keep going. You've described yourself as a go big or go home type of person. Yeah. What are your, uh, your long-term goals for happy pops? Yeah. I mean, I want to be involved with happy pops for as long as I still enjoy, enjoy it. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I, and that's why I didn't take any venture capital money because usually it's a taking time bomb to exit in five years or whatever. And I really wanted this to be, to continue doing this the way for what I wanted it to be an all natural product. I really wanted to be able to execute that vision. And I want to make this as big as it can be, because I really think there's a demand for a variety of different all natural treats made with quality ingredients. And there's a demand in every country. And we get messages from people who are like, is this available here? Or is it in the US? Or, and you know, I, I hope I can one day say, yes, it is. So big goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. So just keep, I mean, I don't look at anything that we've done as success. I think there's, we've scratched the surface. The possibilities are endless. And we're just going to keep going and building and see where it goes. You know, and as you speak, the joy in your voice, you know, you you are so committed to this and you enjoy doing it. It just seems like a, a really good recipe. Yeah. What are you most proud of? I would say what we've been able to accomplish with a really small team. I think only now have we really got a few more people on board and really seen it. But we really, I think, for and not and not putting in marketing dollars really is just it's just been word of mouth for the most part. I think I think we've been able to we've been able to do relatively well. I think giving those two factors. Hmm. And you mentioned that your products will now be available at Sobeys, which is yes. really huge milestone. Have you considered uh, movie theaters as sort of the next potential venue for your products? Well, yeah, we were in conversation with um, with some movie theaters at one point. And we've had, you know, over the, it takes a long time for something to really come into play. So, and then obviously COVID hit, but I mean, we were definitely in touch with the movie theaters. So let's see when things start, as things start to reopen. And we're seeing it now as things start to reopen. Um, people are looking for packaged treats. People want more vegan, want more gluten-free, and that's exactly where we fit in. So it'll be interesting to see. I think I think amusement parks, um, I think there's so many avenues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, right place, right product. Yeah. I want to explore a little bit more about your learnings and you've talked about a few of those you know the the ability to pivot and and grow and not take things personally but I I want to explore that a little bit more because you know in your role as a manager as a leader as um, working during COVID etc what are some other learnings that you have gleaned over the past few years? I think it takes time to do anything I always and I always thought, you know, it was easy to get a product on shelf and it's been, it's been so challenging. But I, I mean, and I think I also want to say that, and I think I realized that, that it is just, it's still, you know, we may live in Canada, it may be 2020, but as a minority female, young founder, it's not easy. I definitely, I've definitely, and I think I've, I've seen it more in the last little while when I see what other, you know, 
white male brands are able to accomplish a lot quicker versus how long it's taken me or even just the questions I've gotten asked when I was starting like do you make this in your house when clearly they know that in the food industry you have to work out of an approved facility but it was almost like you know I'd go to events and be like do you know if the man who makes this puts a lot of sugar in there and it was like really Hmm. and just just the challenges I think like going to pitch to stores or the responses I've gotten it it hasn't been easy you know and I think had the person at Sobeys not given us this opportunity you know I think this has now opened us opened more doors because it's allowed us to scale in a different way but getting to that point and you know in that case it was a female buyer who who I met with at Sobeys but leading up to this like even just it hasn't been Early on, I would I would bring my dad into meetings sometimes because I knew that if I went in alone, sometimes people wouldn't give me the time of day. It's been a tough road. Yes, thanks for highlighting that. And what is your 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 gut about this? Do you think it's just people being ignorant, or do you think there is a a systemic bias here? What, what do you think's going on? And 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 do you see this changing with everything that's going on in the world today? I really hope it changed and I, I really hope it changes. And I, and I think we've had, obviously, in the last few weeks, I think people have been more vocal, obviously, about certain things. But I, I think it, there's still, it still needs to change a lot more. And I think we need more young entrepreneurs. We need, we need people driving that change. We need people to be vocal about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, I, I, think as a, like, I think as a South Asian or whatever, you know, you see yourself in careers like more medicine or the sciences or lawyers or I guess it's, you know, in the startup world, like if you look at, you know, typical tech startups, it's starting to change in that space. And hopefully, hopefully it will change a little bit more. But, you know, I think I think we still have a long way to go. Mm. Again, thank you for highlighting that. I think it's a, it's a critical one. And, and if you had like one message to give about this and, and had to headline it, what, what would that message be? I think we need to treat everyone with respect and give everybody a chance, whether it's, you know, whether it's as an employee or as a founder or building something, because we don't all have that same privilege. And we're all trying, you know, we're all trying to, you know, small business are the backbone of the economy, right? So whether you're, despite the color of your skin, I think everybody should be given that equal opportunity. Given that you are an ordinary person doing extraordinary mm-hmm. things, who is your extraordinary role model? Who who do you look up to? I'd probably say both my parents, but if I had to pick one, I would definitely say my mom. You know, she was doing her master's while we were in school, while she was involved with community involvements and working. But she always, even now, she always still cooks and does all these things. And I come home from work and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to order something. But yeah, you know, when... And she's home and makes dinner and makes all the meals and is there to help me at 1 or 2 a.m. write postcards with her orders after she's had a long day at work. I mean, she's really just, I just look up to her and I'm like, wow, you're, you're amazing. I don't know how you do it. Does she know you feel that way about her? I don't know. I don't know if she knows it, but we definitely have like a really special bond. And she's definitely my best friend. And, you know, I, I know I can trust my mom with anything. And we definitely spend a lot of time together. Fabulous. What is your one hope for the world today? I think I go back to what I said. I, I think it's just giving everybody that chance and treating everyone with respect. I think now more than ever, we're seeing we're seeing it all over the world. We need to we need to do better. I hope we can certainly see see those changes during our lifetime. 
I hope so too. So for more information on Happy Pops, go to happypops.ca. And if you haven't tried Happy Pops, go order some from the website today. The mango flavor is pretty extraordinary. It's my favorite. And I can guarantee that you will be hooked and you will never, ever see popsicles the same way again. So thank you again, Leila, for uh, being on the show today. It's been a joy speaking with you. Congratulations on your accomplishments. And as you move forward and, you know, have happy pops around the world, we will be standing by cheering you along the way. Many congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you like what you heard, click the subscribe button to listen to more episodes. And if you are an ordinary person doing extraordinary things and want to be a guest on this show, message me on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feed. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. Hope is the spark that ignites us to move forward and make things happen. 